Welcome to the Hard Pyre. This is the second episode in a little bonus story about Logan a few years before the events of the first season. It's based on a game I ran on social media where each day I posted a poll detailing a scene and followers could vote on Logan's next actions. So the way the characters act and react in the story was entirely decided by fans. The ending of the story goes into darker themes, so please check out the content warning in the show notes if you think you might need them. Logan opened the door to the hallway, cold air flowing in from the windows across the corridor and mixing with the damp heat of the greenhouse. Lady Enid took a long deep breath, stood up straight and smiled at Logan. He smiled back at her and gestured for her to walk out first. They interlaced their arms again before striding down the hallway. I'm truly sorry my sorrows took over. I shouldn't put such heavy burden on you. Nonsense, my dear. I told you I wanted to get to know you better, and I meant it. What scoundrel would I be if I told a lady something like that and then ran away at the first signs of vulnerability? They continued the path they had taken before, away from the stairs they had come from. Logan glanced at each and every door, wondering if Count Yonek's study was behind any of them. He wasn't even sure they were in the correct part of the castle. He either needed to get rid of Lady Enid's company or get her to tell him where her father's study was but it was unlikely that she would lead him to her father's private documents, and if he just abandoned her, she would start looking for him, and she might even send one of the guards after him. Maybe he should try to stay the night and look through the building when everyone was asleep, but then he would have to avoid any social function Lady Enid attended in the future, although he might have already crossed that line. They had spent too much time with each other. She would recognize him from now on. We should get back to the feast, I'm sure they're already looking for me. It's my birthday after all. Of course, my dear. I wouldn't want to keep you from your celebration for too long. Logan considered his options. If he went down to the ballroom of Lady Enid and tried to sneak away and back up again, it would be difficult to get past the guards on his own. And then he would have just wasted his time talking to Lady Enid and getting her to bring him inside the building. He would have to accompany her down a floor or two and then pretend like he had forgotten something in the greenhouse and convince her to go back to the feast without him. As they approached the end of the hallway where the building bent to the left, Logan noticed a door in front of them. It looked like any other door, but faint notches had been etched into the wood floor in front of it as if something heavy had been dragged across the floor. It didn't seem like much, but it was strange enough that it tugged at Logan's curiosity. I'm sorry, Lady Enid, but may I ask what's behind the door at the end of the hallway? Hmm? Oh, that, that... just... a storage closet. We should really get going. She picked up her pace and tacked lightly at their interlinked arms, keeping her gaze decidedly away from the door and the notches. As they turned to the left and walked past the door, Logan noticed that, even though the notches were faint, they looked uneven and aged as if something had been moved in and out of the room repeatedly over a longer period of time. Logan stopped and freed his arm from Lady Enid's. He frowned down at the notches, a feeling of unease creeping its way into his mind. It really is just a closet. There's nothing important behind it. What are those notches? What? Those? Oh, someone probably wasn't careful while placing something in the closet. I should really inform my father of it so we can find out who damaged our floors. Those notches weren't all made at the same time, and some of them look rather old. Well, we don't walk past here very often. But 
Your favorite room in the building is almost next door. Wouldn't you have noticed? But I didn't. Logan glanced back at her, but she wouldn't meet his eyes. What's going on? She turned to the window opposite the door and looked down at the garden, her arms tightly wrapped around herself. She didn't say anything for a long while, before her shoulders started to tremble and the first sob escaped her lips. Her hand shut up to hide her face, but she couldn't stop herself from crying. My dear, I, I didn't mean to upset you. <laughs> this isn't right. Father said not to tell I, you. I shouldn't have asked. I didn't know it would upset you so. It, it can go on forever. I'm truly sorry. If you prefer, we can go back down to your feast and forget I ever said anything. You're all right. They're already waiting for you. You shouldn't miss your own I birthday celebration. Long lightly touched Lady Enid's elbow to get her to look at him, but she firmly shook her head instead. She pressed her lips together, then took a deep breath and wiped the tears from her cheeks with the tips of her fingers. There's something I need to show you. My family has a secret that we've been hiding for too long. I know my father doesn't want me to tell anyone about it, but I can't take it anymore. What we're doing is cruel and wrong. It might be the wine talking, because I know on any other night I would have simply pushed down these feelings, but I've wanted to stop it for a while, and I don't know how to mend it on my own. What is it? I don't really understand. What has your father done? He isn't mistreating you. No, no, no. Nothing so horrid. I am... I think it's better if I show you. I wouldn't know how to put it into words. Lady Enid pulled a long silver chain from a small, barely noticeable pocket on the bodice of her dress, a small key dangling from it. She walked over to the door and unlocked it, before stepping inside. Long remained in the hallway for a moment, too stunned to move, then followed her into the room. Instantly, a wave of sweet, floral smell hit him, with a strange, sour scent underlying it something that settled on his tongue and made his stomach tighten. The room was only lit by two weak gas lamps, and it took Logan's eyes a few seconds to adjust to the dim light. In front of him was a long white curtain which ran from one side of the room to the other, creating a sort of antechamber at the front of the room that was only about two meters wide. To Logan's left was a table filled with neatly organized gardening tools and jars of milky liquid. To Logan's right was a second table, this one holding piles of documents, parchment rolls, and books. But the strangest part about the room were the thick vines poking out from underneath the curtains. Something caught Logan's attention on the table to his right, a medical drawing of a body with various notes across it. He stepped closer, Lady Enid letting him explore the room on his own. Logan rifled through the documents, not understanding what he was seeing. They all seemed to be medical records pertaining to Countess Marlette's health, Lady Enid's mother. But... To Logan's confusion, most of them had been written only a few days ago. Logan didn't understand most of the language used in them, being too specific in their medical terms, but what he gathered from them was that they spoke as if Countess Marlet was still alive, just very sick. But Countess Marlet had been dead for a few years. He knew that to be a fact. There had been a well-attended funeral. Logan picked up a letter, the paper having been crumpled up and smoothed out again, 
died it only two days ago. It urged Count Jonek to finally transfer his wife to the new sick house, as her condition did not seem to be stabilizing. I don't understand. These documents are, are written as if your mother was still alive, but your mother died four years ago, didn't she? She did. Then what is this about? Instead of answering, Lady Enid stepped forward and pushed the curtains aside, revealing the rest of the room. A bed stood in the middle of it, surrounded by clusters of vines crawling over the ground in the bed, only a passage of the floor between the bed and the entrance free of the plants. On the bed lay a body with translucent graying skin, its loose white dress much too wide for its frail frame. A wig of luscious brown hair had been placed atop her head, but with the position of the body and the slenderness of the skull, it lay more next to the body than on it. The body's face had been concealed with a porcelain mask resembling the features of a sleeping woman. As Logan stepped closer and the acid smell lingering underneath the florist's scent clawed its way down his throat, he could notice that the vines weren't simply climbing over the body, but that some smaller tendrils had burrowed their way underneath the skin. Lady Enid walked up to the body of her mother, careful not to step on any of the vines, and sat down on the ground. She placed her arms on the bed next to her mother and rested her head on them. She died, but my father couldn't let her go. I don't know what the doctors did, and I'm sure I wouldn't understand it anyway. But she's been here ever since. In the beginning, we still took her outside to the gardens so she could smell the flowers and see the stars. But she has become much too fragile for that now. Father still insists that she will be better soon, that one day she'll be back to how she used to be. But I don't think that they will ever come. I don't know what to say. What my father did is selfish. I know it was because of love, but I also think it's cruel and unjust. My mother isn't gaining anything from this. And it's clear to me now that I will never truly have her back. Not the way I want her to. What do you want me to do? Will you help me stop her suffering? She deserves a better death than this. They looked at each other for a while, before Logan nodded and slid a dagger from behind his back. Lady Enid stood up and leaned over her mother, murmuring something that Logan couldn't understand. When she stepped away again, Logan brought the dagger to the first vine and carefully started to free the bed. He started with the larger vines, then went for the thinner ones, until only the tendrils burrowed into Countess Marlet's skin remained. He tried cutting the first tendril close to the body, but the skin was so loose that it detached from the body with the faintest pull. Logan's stomach tightened and he could feel bile rising up his throat, but he pressed on. For the rest of the tendrils, he cut them further from the body, curving them around his blade and cutting the loop. Soon, the body laid uncovered, only the ghost of a dearly beloved woman who had been bound to a mockery of life remaining. As Lady Enid stepped closer to take her last goodbyes, Logan started worrying that someone might come looking for them. There was nothing much he would be able to do if a guard stumbled upon them while transporting the body, except hope that Lady Enid could take control of the situation. Lady Enid stepped back, and Logan carefully wrapped the body in the bed sheets the Countess was lying on, making sure they would hold tightly. He picked up the body that hadn't moved in years, and felt just how light she had become, as if she had been fading into the plants over all this time. Lady Enid led the way out of the room, making sure no one was waiting for them in the hallway. Logan took a few steps towards the greenhouse and carefully placed the body on the ground. 
It felt as if Lady Enid had thought about this for a long time, as if everything had already been planned out in her mind. She led Logan to a white pot near the back window, a pot long enough to hold a human body. Together they removed the small fig trees from their pot and took out most of the dirt. Logan's hand ached from the effort, and his clothes were covered in dirt, but it didn't really matter. Lady Enid's velvet green dress looked like it would never recover from that evening, but she didn't seem to mind either. Logan went back to the body and placed it into the hollowed-out pot. They carefully shoveled the dirt back into its place, the white bed sheets disappearing little by little underneath a brown blanket. Lady Enid patted down the earth, before standing up and walking over to the shells that held her saplings. She gathered a few of the nicer ones, then dug little holes into the dirt they had just shoveled and planted the saplings over her mother's body. The rest of the evening became like a blur to Logan. He knew that they remained seated in silence in front of the pot for a while, until one of the guards did come looking for them. Logan remembered that he told the guards something about Lady Enid needing help to report her plans, but he never remembered what exactly he said. The lie must have been believable enough, however, because he was led to a guest room and brought new clothes, and then accompanied back down to the feast. He must have remained there, talking about platitudes with other guests for a while, because he only remembered coming home as the sun was rising. He didn't dare tell anyone in the city of Ranker what had happened that evening. He only told them that he found out very little about the sick house, that it had been built for the countess when she was sick, but that he didn't know why it had been closed all this time. And he truly didn't. He could only speculate that Count Yonek had wanted to keep it empty in case his wife's condition got too bad to be treated at home anymore, but that he had been stuck in the illusion that she had never gotten that bad and therefore never needed to be transferred to the sick house. But the reason didn't matter anymore to Logan not during the days following his visit to Count Yonek's castle. Only the person closest to him got to hear the entire story, and she only believed him because of the honesty in his voice and the uncertainty in his eyes. He never heard from Lady Enid afterwards, never got to find out how her father reacted to what they did, and even though he was curious to know how she was doing, deep down he hoped he would never have to see her again. He wouldn't know what to say to her. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So, join us on a real-play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy action, mystery, friendship. I wanted to thank everyone who joined in in our little game and voted on Logan's actions. I think it was really fun and the story didn't play out at all how I had envisioned it in the beginning. But that's what makes the format so interesting. I hope everyone else also enjoyed the story. I wanted to mention that on the 15th and 16th of April I will be at the LuxCon convention in Luxembourg, mostly to help out and host a few panels. We have actually invited some exciting audio drama creators this year, and the guest announcements should be released in the coming weeks. I will definitely mention the announcements on my and the podcast social media accounts, or you can follow the LuxCon social media accounts to find out more. If you are from Luxembourg or close by, come join us. It will be tons of fun. Also. 
Follow the show on social media for updates on when Season 2 will launch and on when the book adaptation of Season 1 will be released. And, as always, if you want to support the show, head over to the Kofi or Patreon page, where you can also vote on the alternative path for Season 1. The Hardpire is written and produced by me, Audrey Machter. Thank you for listening.